0: I think something that's very important for my profession is hands-on experience. Another student AT fainted. You are not your grades and your grades are not you. Pennywise is freaky as heck.
1: Hello beautiful people! You're listening to The Pipette Profiles, a podcast all about STEM, health, and fitness. I am your host, Grace Schoenfeld, and together we will learn from successful engineers, scientists, and students about their passions, careers, and future ambitions. Want to be inspired? You're in the right place. My first guest is my beautiful friend, Amanda. Amanda. She recently graduated cum laude with a bachelor's in kinesiology and is now a master's of science in athletic training at her top graduate school. Amanda is also a hobbyist photographer, donut lover, and crime show enthusiast. In today's episode, we will learn about where her passion for athletic training started, what her graduate program has been like so far during COVID-19, her top study tips, funny stories from along the way, and much, much more. So stay tuned!
0: Hi, Grace. Thanks for having me.
1: So how long have you wanted to be an athletic trainer and where did those inspirations start? So
0: I was fortunate enough to go to a high school that had a elective athletic training program because at the time, which was about six years ago, there weren't that many high school athletic training programs around at least my area. And so that was when I was a junior in high school and I was actually, I needed to take an elective. So it was either that or theater, and I do not like acting in front of people, so I was like, sports medicine and athletic training sounds fun, so let's just try that. And as the time went on, I, I fell in love with it more, and I discovered that you could actually do this as a career, and I, ever since then, I just never looked back, and here I am today.
1: <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. So did you always enjoy sports as a kid, or was there a turning point some point in your life?
0: I actually did. I, My brother and I, we we grew up playing sports up until college. And I think because I've been around sports and just athletes in general so much because I was one, I really enjoyed that atmosphere. And I, at, in high school, I took anatomy and I really liked that. So athletic training pretty much combines both my love for athletics slash sports, medicine, and also helping others. So Once I was in high school and I discovered what athletic training was, that's when I was like, wow, there is a career that combines all these things. And then that's when I decided I wanted to be one when I grew older.
1: Yeah. And now you're older and now you're going to be it. Yes. I'm so proud of you. And this is such a perfect Thank you. Can you tell us more about what sports you played growing up? So my first sport that I did was
0: gymnastics, uh, artistic gymnastics. I did it when I was about like almost six up until I was 15. There was some overlap actually between that and when I started martial arts. I started Taekwondo when I was nine and did it wow. for about five years. So about 14. And then in high school, I did track. And then I did track all four years in high school and then did it for two years at my undergrad, which is where I met Grace. <laughs> That's actually how we met was through track. So yeah, those three sports were the sports that I actually stuck with and enjoyed because I tried a bunch of other ones, but those didn't stick.
1: Do you want us to tell the story of how we met? Oh, sure. Do you want to tell it? Sure. I can tell it. It's a pretty cool way. Cool. So Amanda and I were, oh, what was it called? Secret sisters? Secret sisters. Uh-huh. We secret sisters Um, on our track team. She's a year older than me, so I was a freshman, and she was a sophomore, and she was giving gifts to me. It was our team's way of bonding, and it was like Secret Santa, but throughout the whole year, and really emphasized during the spring, during the competitive season, to just really help bond and encourage one another. So she was giving gifts to me, and I had absolutely no idea, but then we became friends before I knew that she was giving gifts to me.
0: Oh yeah, you had no idea, which was the cool part for me, because I knew, obviously.
1: Yeah, I'm just super gullible. So at the end of the season, when she like revealed um, her final gift to me... Or like
0: an embroidery thing?
1: Yeah, she embroidered something so beautiful for me. Um, so that's how we met and became friends, and we've never looked back, <laughs> and it's been wonderful. And
0: it's funny because I didn't think we would become friends because we... I mean, we probably would have talked at least, but like she, she was a distance runner and I was a sprinter. So we didn't even practice together. So when I got assigned as my secret sister, I was kind of like, who is that? (laughs) Something.
1: Who's this weirdo nerd?
0: But then I was like, oh, she seems cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am a self-proclaimed nerd.
0: Oh, me too.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. So who were some of your role models growing up and inspirations just generally, maybe even outside of athletic training? Um,
0: yeah actually two people that I thought of instantly are actually it's not re- it's not related to athletic training at all which I think is kind of interesting but um the first one's my mom um she's she's the most important person to me ever like in my life and she she's inspiring to me because she she's like she embodies what it means to work hard and do something that you love and never let anybody Tell you otherwise, even though that's easier said than done. But she actually has lived that out, and I see that, and I want to be like her. And then the other person is actually my my coach from high school. Actually, technically eighth grade up until college, really, until I went away from college. But uh, his name's Coach Diaz. He I met him through this this program called it's it's called YAC Y A C, and it stands for Young Athletes for Christ. And he coaches a bunch of things besides just track, but he, he runs like youth football programs, agility programs. And so my brother and I were coached by him for many, many years. And he, he's such a godly man. And he always taught me many things about, you know, never giving up and, and celebrating like my accomplishments for, you know, my milestones, not comparing to anyone else. Um, those are just a few things that he taught me, but those two people really have been supportive throughout this journey and they still are. And I'm, I'm thankful every day that I have them in my life.
1: From my experience running track as well, it's really important to have mm-hmm. coaches who support you and pour into mm-hmm. you like that.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: So you said that you have a love for anatomy that began in high school and mm-hmm. now continues to this day. Can you tell me more about why you love anatomy and how that has shaped you or experiences you've had?
0: So in high school, I, again, had to take that to, like, I guess, fulfill like a life science GE or class or something. And plus, I was starting to become interested in uh, life science. And so I was like, okay, I'll take this class. And I actually, at first, did not enjoy it too much because I was like, this is very complicated but then as again my the teacher sometimes is like you know the reason why you love a class right so my high school anatomy teacher was so amazing and she I mean you could just tell she loves what she does which again is a big plus in any for any educator mm-hmm. but she was really helpful in like helping me understand things and so I slowly start to I slowly grew to love it even back then and then of course in high school when I uh discovered athletic training, I could actually like apply what I learned to some degree. And then in college, I had the most amazing anatomy professor. He he really incorporates how, you know, God created this this amazing thing called humans and like we're his greatest creation. And every little part in the body like has an important function and every every piece needs each other like it there's no Mm -hmm. i mean from the littlest like red blood cell to your femur bone like every little thing to every big thing is is important in the structure and the function and i i just find it so fascinating
1: yeah everything is connected and you Mm -hmm. need all parts or most parts working Mm -hmm. together properly for a system to work
0: yes yes Exactly.
1: And you were an anatomy TA at our college as well. Mm -hmm. What were some of the highs and lows of that experience?
0: Oh, I, I literally instantly smiled when you said that, because I I miss it so much. But I mean, sadly, my, my time doing pretty much my favorite job ever, like that's, I haven't had that many jobs in the past of just like doing other things, but that I love that job. It sadly was cut a little short because of COVID. But I, I think because of that, I've appreciated the times that I have had during that time. Um, I I was a TA during my junior year and my senior year. So pretty recently, honestly, there's not that many lows, except for the fact that like, sometimes I would forget to review something and I would, you know, not be as prepared as I probably should have been, but everything about it was like all time highs. Like I had so much fun being in the lab with the students and helping my professor, and he would always play like fun music while we were in labs. I awesome. mean it like a more upbeat atmosphere, especially at 6 p.m. to nine <laughs> p.m. Uh I I loved working with my other fellow TAs and the spring after my junior year I actually got to study abroad with that same professor in the UK to study more anatomy because anatomy's life. Literally. <laughs> and then my uh uh-huh. And then my senior year, I was the only returning TA. So I kind of got to experience some like leadership position things. So like I kind of knew how the ropes worked and I got to show the the first time TAs like where everything was and kind of obviously with good leadership, like take charge in some things. So that was a good experience to have as a TA. But also I could, I saw like another part of of the job by having like a higher position.
1: Oh, definitely yeah do you think that your experience as an anatomy t a benefited you in your grad school program
0: oh definitely uh this past summer, which we'll get into more grad school stuff later, but this past uh this past summer, so from June until actually a few days ago um we took an- we took an anatomy class and it was pretty condensed just from how the the semester the summer semester is formatted and man, am I glad that not only did I, um, like have been reviewing just to prepare for this, but if I, I don't want to say if I wasn't a TA, I wouldn't have been as prepared, but I'm, but I think, I think that would have been the case because a lot of the things that we learned from my grad school anatomy class was review since I, I mean, I just came from teaching those things to the students. So, a lot of it was a review for me. I mean, obviously, there are some more complicated and detailed things that we did learn that were brand new to me. But overall, it wasn't that hard to transition just because I've already been reviewing those things for the TA position.
1: Right, and you basically took the class three times because you took it yes, originally and then you taught it one and a half because of covid time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that makes a huge difference in allowing those uh terminologies to be
0: right embedded in your
1: long-term memory
0: because a lot of people in my cohort for grad school I mean we're all different ages but at least the ones that are around my age who just graduated from undergrad they haven't taken it in like few years so I was very fortunate to have kind of had it like refreshed in my head so yeah teeing for anatomy during my undergrad has definitely been beneficial for not just for grad school, but just in general, like when I, once I work even.
1: Yeah, definitely. So how did you select your grad school? Because, and what was the application process like? Because you got into your top graduate school.
0: I, I, yeah, I still can't believe that actually happened because I, I can't believe that time passed by and I, I finished my first semester. Yeah. So Athletic training is is a slowly growing uh, profession. It's it actually has not been that common even within the last like decade or so. So it's it's pretty cool that we're growing so fast. So for undergrad, I did not have certain prereqs. If I could help it, I didn't want to either spend time and or money taking these prereqs at junior colleges if I didn't have to. I was looking at schools around the country that did not require these several prereqs, which took a while, but, uh, luckily there's a, like athletic training website, like search engine to like help you kind of eliminate those. So I looked at the list that did not require those. And so I had maybe about 10 schools that were within the places that I didn't mind living. So most of them were on the East, uh, sorry, West coast. I remember last summer, I would, you know, I would be writing my essays and filling out applications. Luckily, some of the applications were kind of uh, like a common app thing where if you fill out one thing, you can send it to power schools that take this type of application, which was very nice. And for my uh, like personal statement essays, a lot of the schools would ask similar questions like, why did you want to be an AT? Or why do you want to go to our, our school? You know, so I... To save time and energy, I would type kind of like the same responses for different ones, but obviously some, some schools ask different questions, so I would change it accordingly. But I luckily the program directors were very responsive, at least you know back then before COVID. Um, I can imagine it's different now. At least back then I would email a little bit back and forth and luckily with some schools that I lived near, I could visit, so that was beneficial. Um, I guess side tip, if you're interested in a school, I don't care if this is for undergrad, grad school, whatever it is, if you have the opportunity or the the means to visit, please do. Like it, it changes a lot of things where like it can it can change your mind of about a school, either for the the good or the bad. Like, I mean, I visited some schools where I actually did not want to go there anymore. And then some was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to go here. I visited one school that was near my house, but I didn't want to go there that much I just was like okay why not just visit and then during October of last year during one of my school breaks my my mom and I actually visited this school that I go to now in a school nearby and those are my top two so luckily we could combine the trips since they were pretty close by to each other and I visited both And ironically, the one that I ended up choosing, which became my top choice, was not my top choice at first. But when I visited, the the faculty instantly like drew me in by their their friendliness and their professionalism. And they they didn't have to do this, but at least one of them, because I met two. I met the program director, and then I met another faculty. They took the time like out of their day to like show me some facilities and walk around and ask me questions. And at least maybe in grad school, they don't maybe do that as much. I mean, I know for undergrad, it's a little different, but I was really appreciative of that. But also their program is very different from most AT programs in the country. Students have the opportunity to travel all over the country for their clinical sites, because most of the time during like clinical rotations, you most likely stay pretty local around the school, which I expected because I didn't know you could do anything else and so when they told me like oh yeah you know if you want to work basketball and live somewhere in Florida like we can send you there and I'm like what <laughs> so I thought that was really cool um there's different there's different schools and different sites that they're partnered with so I mean there's a lot of variety even though it's like only certain ones but since it's growing like I said they're expanding their their partner sites yeah just their overall philosophy of you know, you're in grad school now, we want to push you, we want you to travel and and do things because I noticed a lot of the programs kind of wanted to like hold your hand stale and kind of, you know, not like limit you from doing certain things or having opportunities and experiences, but I felt like this, my school kind of went against that and was like, yeah, you're in grad school now, like we want you to start doing things and we want to push you and we'll be there for you, but we want you to, you know, learn to swim, you know, like on your own, which I really appreciate. Yeah,
1: definitely. And that's awesome that you got into a graduate school that is pushing boundaries and encouraging the students to go beyond and also traveling. Like traveling Mm -hmm. is...
0: I think that's so fun. and so cool.
1: So you said that you emailed schools a lot as you were applying and considering different schools. What kinds of things were important to you and what questions did you ask?
0: There were some questions in certain categories that I would send to different people. So if I had financial questions, I would email like the financial aid person. And I noticed maybe this is not all, this is maybe this is not for every grad program of other fields, but I think because grad school is like pretty big now, there's, they have certain, I don't know if the word secretary is the right word, but they have different faculty and staff that are in charge of different areas. So it was easier to email that one person instead of just like the program director when they have a billion other things to do. I asked, you know, like how's housing like, like, do we find our own place to live? Or is there like a, like a hall for grad students? And luckily mine does. So I'll be living on campus, especially since the place I'm going has certain weather things that I'm not used to. So I don't have to deal with that as much in terms of like going to class. Even, like, simple questions, like I asked, you know, how many people are usually in each cohort? How many people get accepted? Because, I mean, that's, that's a valid question, even though I felt kind of weird asking that. Um, I asked, for this school specifically, I asked, how do clinical rotations look like? Like, do, how often do we get to travel? Or can we have multiple sites during the semester? I asked about scholarship opportunities, TA slash GA opportunities.
1: What's a GA?
0: Oh, a graduate assistant.
1: And TA is teacher assistant. Are those paid jobs that will help fund your tuition or housing? Yes. I'm also looking at graduate schools right now, and it Mm -hmm. is important to ask about funding and scholarships because it might not be displayed on the website. And even without an academic scholarship, you can get jobs on Mm -hmm. campus um, Mm -hmm. in your program even to help fund you and your graduate school. yes, for sure.
0: I feel like any question is actually not like a dumb question. So it, and all the program directors I've contacted or really anybody I contacted were very friendly. They, they responded to me in a quite like a good timely manner, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated. So yeah, I'd say for general questions, I would ask about anything to do with finances. So financial aid, scholarships, TA, GA positions,
1: and for those listening, like, don't be afraid. There's no stupid questions. Um, whether it be for undergraduate or graduate schools, they want you to go there. So they are going to do what's in their power to answer your questions, to help you figure out if it's the right fit. They want you exactly. more than I you want just them. Say that.
0: That is so, so true. And sometimes I forget that because I I only apply, I ended up only applying to, I think six or seven and I was like, maybe that's not enough, like, you know, or something, but I, they, yeah, what Grace just said, they want you probably more than you want them because they, you know, they want to attract students because it's like, if you go there and you like it, then you'll tell five people and then those five people will tell more people, you know, so it's like a help me help you thing kind of, which is funny, but it's like dating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they, they want to get to know you as much as you want to get to know about their school so do not be afraid to ask literally any question because someone else is probably thinking the same question and they want to be able to help you with that
1: Hmm. and I feel like dating in real life is harder than dating school yes
0: so think of <laughs> this as like a good practice no I'm just kidding but
1: <laughs> you are an excellent student you graduated from In kinesiology, what are some of your study tips and what kept you motivated during difficult or stressful seasons in undergraduate and graduate classes?
0: Okay, let's see if I can organize this the best. So tips in general. So it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're in middle school. I don't care if you're in your PhD for the second time or second PhD or whatever. Study tips. These are in no particular order. I'm just going to list some. Please do not procrastinate. I know everyone does it. But it does not do anybody any good, especially yourself, because it's very stressful. So I guess branching off of that, do a little at a time. Like it, I mean, I kid you not. I, I mean, even as a um, this obviously isn't a, like not just for anatomy, but for my anatomy students, I would tell them like I five minutes or ten minutes, which is not which is not that much time at all to review something. Mm-hmm. It does have to be a lot because I feel like a lot of students are like I have to study for five hours to. Get something. Well, you may not in terms of like cramming if you just, you know, break it up a bit. So there's that one. This one I've definitely had to implement on myself towards the end of college, especially now that I was older and I understood what this meant more. And especially recently during this summer semester for grad school, but make time for self care. It doesn't matter what that looks like, it looks different for everybody, but take 10 minutes to do, to like have a dance party yourself, take a walk for 20 minutes, like get some fresh air, uh, watch, watch an episode of something you like, like do something that's not school every day, at least a little bit. Again, it it doesn't have to be two hours of relaxing or whatever. It can literally be 15, 20, 30 minutes of just something you enjoy. You can draw, you can nap, even like do something to to just rejuvenate yourself and take a breather from school because i i swear to you sometimes i would just hammer out like so many hours of school and then i would just feel burnt out and then i would feel you know like your whole i, I mean even physically like your body like changes when that when you don't take care of yourself mm-hmm. so i'd say those are my two oh i have another one Well, those are my two tips in terms of like for yourself per se, but then another one that involve other people is please don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, I mean, I, I swear to you sometimes I make friends and bond with classmates because we're like all struggling together. And I mean, some friends I'm still in contact with and we just met in a class we had once together. Like it's funny how that works because I guarantee you at least three other people probably have that same question. And I, yeah. I learned that probably the most this past semester in the summer for grad school, because we were all just like, what's going on? And, you know, because it's my semester was the dense semester, but especially with COVID it made it very intense. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like count on each other, uh, support each other, ask questions, even with your professors. I mean, again, they want to help you. They want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to ask them literally anything because sometimes I would I would be in my professor's offices asking, sometimes even in my opinion, like pretty obvious things. I would be like, I should know these. But if it's like, if, if the reality is, I don't know, I don't know what that is and I need help. I mean, nothing, nothing's wrong with asking for help. So I'd say those are my top three tips.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much. I also wanted to ask you what self-care looks like for you specifically and what are the benefits um that you see when you take time for self-care versus seasons where you don't
0: Mm, okay so the beginning of my college career I would say I didn't believe in that I was like productivity is successful and blah 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 um but as I've I guess, matured and grown up and see like, yeah, self-care is actually needed. For me personally, I, for some reason, unless I'm like super exhausted, I don't nap that often. So not that I would say in terms of like physically, like resting, I would like get a snack and kind of like maybe be on my phone for a bit. And those are more like shorter breaks. So maybe five, 10 minutes, but for the longer breaks, I I love going out on walks and like getting fresh air and enjoying nature because it I mean, being inside all day sometimes is it's not that fun at least for me. So it's getting outside, getting some some sun, some fresh air. Um even mm-hmm. just like if I mean if they're around, like even just talking with friends about non-school things, just like I don't know, like, what are you doing for, for break or like something that's not school related with friends. Again, that can look, Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes like we would go on walks together and we would be like, don't get coffee. Sure. You know, we just go and get it or something. So um, I also just realized I did not answer your questions a while ago about like what keeps me motivated. Um, In general, I would say, I mean, I tried now, nowadays I try not to be too obsessed with letter grades because again, letter grades is subjective for different people. Like someone's best can be they don't define exactly, you exactly. Like ah, I need I need to emphasize that more. That it really does not matter as much as people think it does. Like it's not yeah, you are not your grades and your grades are not you. There. <laughs> um, but I'd say just as, because at least for me, if I know deep down in my core I did not do my best whatever that looks like for for me I would feel bad so um without being too obsessed with the letter grade like I said just trying my best and and seeking help when I need to and I mean I think learning is fun because you get to gain and retain this new knowledge that you didn't think you had before you didn't have before um but then specifically with what I study because again not everyone obviously is studying the same thing as me, but since I, since I love athletic training so much and I, I think the career is absolutely fantastic. I, I always think about in the future, like, yeah, when I, when I'm an, I'm a certified AT, like I get to have fun. You know I mean? I think my, my career is very exciting and uh, exhilarating because of the people I get to meet and I get to work around athletes and I get to be around like sports all day long. And so that, that fun part or funness, that's not a word, but like the fun aspect of my career is what motivates me to sometimes go through, you know, super tough times with studying and being overwhelmed and sometimes not feeling like, you know, anything, which is definitely a thing, Mm -hmm. but I, I know deep in my core, that's not true, even though it may seem like it just because everything is overwhelming and intense Mm -hmm. sometimes, but it, it doesn't last forever, and I think just as long as you remember, like, why you chose what you chose to study and why you love it so much, that's, at least for me, that's, what motiv- that's what's been motivating for me to keep going and to, to strive and do my best.
1: So in summary of what she said, what motivates her is looking at the end goal and knowing that she has it within herself to do her best, um, but also being kind to herself, time for self-care, spending time with friends, relaxing, napping, putting time into your hobbies and relationships around you. Um, Some of her study tips were to not procrastinate and to do a little bit of studying every day instead of just a five-hour cram session and doing it with friends and not being afraid to ask professors or friends questions. There is no question that is stupid if it helps you to understand the material. Also, we talked about how letter grades do not define a person. They do not define your worth. There are so many schools, undergraduate and graduate, who are, they're not considering as heavily standardized test scores, or they are not requiring them at all. So if that sounds like you, definitely look into those schools because they are out there. And I personally think that being well-rounded and having some tangible experience and an outspoken passion for your field does go a long way more than just test scores because they are not an accurate measure of intelligence. Do you think that sums it up pretty well, Amanda?
0: That sounds, wow. I love that last part, especially because just recently, like in my grad program, we were so obsessed with grades and like why my profession is very hands-on, if anything, that's like 99%. Yeah. I do so well in like the the oral practicals, but not the written tests. Like, what's up with that? But then again, I guess another side tip is like everyone learns differently. I mean, there are some classmates of mine that did not do as well on written tests, and I did, but they're they thrive in like verbal or oral exams. I get intimidated because I'm just like, uh, I'm talking. And what if I stutter? What if I forget something? You know, so each person learns and interprets information differently and executes their knowledge differently. Yeah. And again, professors are there to help you. And so, like one of my classmates, they were having some trouble on like written exams, but then they were able to verbally kind of go through their their exam with a professor and then it worked out. So stuff like that where, you know, your again, your classmates, your professors are there to help you and Uh, trying your best not to compare again, because everybody literally learns and executes their knowledge differently. So I don't think there's a point to compare. I mean, obviously easier said than done, but yeah, that was a great summary.
1: So if there's anyone listening to this who would like to pursue a similar track as you or career path, what advice can you give them?
0: Wow. There's, there's one that I, that I thought of that's, I think very important, but if Especially since, again, the profession is growing and evolving and developing. But I think something that's very important for my profession is hands-on experience and start as soon as you can. Because some schools require more experience hours than others, but the numbers per se do not matter in some ways. But just any hands-on experience you can, whether that's in a clinic, that's at a high school, that's at a university or a, or a junior college, whatever hands-on experience you can get do it because it you can learn the textbook front back know every an anatomical structure you can know every textbook front back but if you've never actually you know taped a wrist or applied ultrasound to someone or if you don't actually do those things i think it would be pretty tough to actually learn the skills of being an athletic trainer so networking and getting as much hands-on experience as you can before during and of course even after you graduate when you start to work will benefit you so much in the long run
1: thank you so much for that i think that that is super helpful and very tangible for our listeners oh of course now it's time to introduce a new segment to this podcast cue the music in three two one Welcome to Lab Laughs, bringing the crazy, funny, and jaw-dropping moments from the lab to you. Amanda, can you share with us any funny stories?
0: Okay, so there's one that I distinctively can think of from my time as a TA in anatomy. And this was actually this past, this past spring, so I was the only returning TA, so it's kind of like I know what I'm doing, cool. And I was demonstrating, I was pointing out on a skeleton, one of the skeletons that we have in the lab, um, because someone had a question, so I wanted to show them on the actual skeleton and not just the individual bone pieces. But this skeleton, particularly that I had in my row, was, it was, it's, it's not one of those that's on like a pole or something on wheels. I mean, it was on wheels, but it's like, it was hanging from like a hook. So I didn't, I don't even know what I did, but I was pointing to something And luckily the skeleton is pretty sturdy, but the whole thing just fell on the ground and it made this like super loud sound and it was in front of everybody because I was demonstrating something and I felt so dumb and I'm just like, not that I would have been any less embarrassed if I wasn't the, you know, kind of like the leader TA, but I felt so stupid. (laughs) <laughs> but it was really funny. But so that was, I think, my funniest story in the lab, at least that I can think of right now. And then recently at my grad school, we were learning in one of my classes, um, like, therapeutic massage. And we were to go- supposed to go into the clinic next door that we work in, like, so they have the massage tables and, like, comfy, like, tables to be on. But my professor did not have the key, and we don't know who had it, so it was locked. So we just practice massage like on like the desks but it looked so weird because <laughs> there was like 20 some students just like laying on desks and then the par- your partner was like practicing stuff but it's like I mean a typical desk so it's like hard and not comfortable at all so, so that was kind of <laughs> not pleasant but it was also really funny Instead of a funny story, the craziest story I've had like while I'm on the job was actually my first summer doing AT ever. So I was like 16 years old in high school. I just started. I'm kind of learning the ropes here. And during practice for uh, JV football, one of our players, uh, he he had an open fracture in his forearm. Oh, no. I don't remember, well, at the time, I I wasn't that familiar with anatomy, but I'm pretty sure his radius was, or his ulna and I forgot which one, but I think it's his radius, because I remember, like, it was near his thumb, and that's where the radius is, but it was, like, jutting out of his skin, and I was like, <gasps> oh my gosh, another student AT who was with me at the time, like, our partner for, like, our area of the field fainted before we could call the ambu- or before they could call the ambulance, so I had to do it. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness! And I'm like,
0: welcome to athletic training, Amanda. Like, this is what I mean. This is literally like after I've done at, AT for like a few months. Like, I I haven't even done anything crazy yet, and then it's like, here it is. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> so, how did you have to handle the situation? What did you do?
0: Um, so I called the ambulance, and then so they're like, okay, like we're coming. And I'm like, okay, and then I I let our our head at know, and then I. I had to, like, help, so the, A- the AT and I had to help our other student AT, like, off the field because they fainted, which I couldn't believe because I was like, okay, I really not, I really don't need to faint because if I faint, then there's two of us who are, like, down. But besides calling the ambulance, I didn't really have to do too much because that's, I mean, at the time, and even now, I don't have the skills to assess that yet, um, at least confidently. Yeah, so when they- that's pretty When serious. they got there, everyone was like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, I'll just call him John. So, John was, like, on the field, and he fractured his forearm, and now he he has to go to the hospital, and they're like, okay. And then practice, like, resumed. (laughs) I mean, fractures happen quite often, obviously, like, in athletics, so it's not like he's gonna die. Like, it's nothing too crazy, but I mean, I just... I was just like, yep, he, uh, he he had a fracture and he's going to the hospital. And they're like, okay. And then it's funny how even as the years went on, that is still my craziest story. I mean, I'm sure once I start working and uh, doing more clinical rotations, that's, that's going to change because I'm sure there's going to be crazy stories. But to this day, that is still my craziest story. And that was when I was still wow. in high school.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. Oh,
0: yeah, of course.
1: As we wrap up this episode, I wanted to ask you a bit more about things you enjoy doing personally. So you recently got into photography. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about how that started and what it looks like now?
0: During my senior year of, of college, I was like, I want to take some fun classes. And so luckily I had space to do that. Um, I still had some leftover GEs to do and of course like some upper div class classes and so my advisor said like, oh, you have room for like one fun class. I'm like, okay. And I'm not artistic in the sense where like I can draw or paint or do other things. So I was like, oh, like I've always been interested in photography, so why not do that? And and my photography instructor is super cool and he's known around our school. Like he's he's pretty cool and popular. So I was glad that I got to work with him and be taught by him. And believe it or not, About maybe halfway into my fall semester this past fall, which is when I took the the first photography class because I ended up taking two, I actually did not enjoy it that much. I, I was annoyed with how complicated things were, like with the settings, and I actually was one of those people who were like, how hard can photography be? You just aim and shoot something, but it's actually pretty tricky in terms of like getting used to the settings and all the buttons and uh, zooming and aiming things and obviously that's just like the fundamental stuff but then there's also you know the creative aspect you know what makes a photo more maybe creative or attractive than another one you know so at first I didn't enjoy it like actually at all but then once I started to practice it more and my awesome instructor would help me and give me tips I started to enjoy it more because it actually became fun. It wasn't like a chore anymore or it it didn't feel like a a burden or a bother because I actually knew what to do now in terms of the settings. And then I, you know, his, his biggest advice is to just go out and and take pictures, like shoot anything you can. Like every person has their own little maybe niche of what they like to do. So, you know, we, we had assignments of, uh, photographing people, photographing landscapes, uh, still life. So a bunch of different things. And I, I figured out that my favorite thing to, to photograph is people. Just because unlike, I guess, still life or landscapes, I can interact with my subject, I can talk to my subject, I can pretty much have them do whatever I want. And I can, like, I can, <laughs> I think that's where my creative, uh, my creativeness or creativity branched out from there. Because with other types of photography, I didn't feel like I could actually do that much. I mean, I'm not saying other photography I mean, I appreciate other photographers that are good at, let's just say, landscapes or something, because I, that's not my favorite thing to do, but photographing people is really fun. Like I said, I can, I can interact with them and be creative in that sense. And so, uh, so I completed that class in the fall and I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. So maybe it's like a new hobby. And then the spring, I took a film photography class, which is way different, Um, obviously, because you have to like develop the film and be in the darkroom, which I, I enjoyed, but I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much as digital photography. I appreciate film photography, especially for what it is, because it's it's very complicated with you have to have like good technique and the process. Um, But then I got together with one of my friends, just like a catch up, just like, how's life going? Um, How senior year been? And then before we departed, or before we uh, left, she asked me, she's like, I have a weird question. I'm like, okay, do see do seniors in college still take senior pictures? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I am, but I don't know. And then she asked me, like, if, if I could take hers. And I was like,
1: Ooh. do you want
0: me to do it? Because, I mean, at the time, I wasn't that confident in my skills yet, because I was still just starting to get used to, used to the camera and learning different things, but... I'm like, uh, are you sure? And then she was like, I mean, she was super like she's super easy to go and relax. And so she's like, Oh yeah, like I don't need anything like super fancy. I just need some pictures to like send their family. I'm like, Okay. Yeah. And so I got like kind of nervous, but then that kind of sparked like, Oh, like, I mean, maybe this will be fun. You know, I tried to I tried to like look on the bright sides and be like, Okay, I, like get excited for this. Don't be, you know, too nervous because it's it's your friend, so at least that. And literally like I, and even at the time I didn't have my own camera, I was borrowing my teachers. I had so much fun doing her senior pictures and then another friend asked me and then I was like oh maybe I can maybe do this like on the side or something I was like like a hobby but also like I mean if you can make some money here and there why not too and then it just kind of grew from there and then I I made an Instagram and then I made a website and it just kind of exploded from there and honestly like I credit that friend who asked me because honestly I never would have thought to pursue that any other way I mean I probably would have still it for fun here and there, but it kind of turned into like a, a fun side what business as well.
1: So they can follow you on Instagram mm-hmm. at, at Amanda underscore images. That's a M a N D a underscore images. And they can contact you on your website mm-hmm. at Amanda dash images.com slash contact. Yes. And her photos are beautiful and stunning and elegant and simple. So please go check her out. I
0: was going to say I specialize in portraits and senior portraits and also sports photography. So which is kind of funny because not many photographers do that combo. um, Because usually it's like either you're just portraits or something or just sports. But I, I do both. So. If you ever need either like a new profile picture or headshots, or if you're going to graduate soon, or if you have a game coming up, let me know.
1: Please reach out to her for all of those inquiries. Or if you are a photographer hobbyist yourself and would like to know how to get started and settings that she uses, you can totally go contact her for those inquiries as well. So I also wanted to ask you, um, I mentioned in the intro that you are a crime show enthusiast. Oh, yes. So what are your favorite horror or crime um, movies or TV shows that you enjoy watching? And how did you get into that genre to begin with?
0: Okay, so I'll start with crime stuff because I, for some reason, like those things. Um, My Believe it or not, my mom actually enjoys those too, which is kind of funny. So we watched those together and she... She got me into this show called ID, like the letters ID, and it stands for Investigation Discovery, and they, it's like a network of a bunch of different crime shows, and there's different like categories, so there's like ones that involve like security cameras, or there's ones that involve like, like someone you knew that like betrayed you or something, like it's, it's super eerie stuff, but for some reason it just, it just captivates me. I guess really any show under the network of Investigation Discovery because that's like a whole channel in itself. Um, I also like Dateline, uh, that's its own show. I know you, Grace, have mentioned some uh, crime shows for me that on Netflix, but I I have yet to start those. But those those two I just mentioned are the ones I've been watching recently. But then I I know Criminal Minds is pretty good, so I've seen that a few times um and then in terms of scary or horror movies i'd say my top two i would say okay the first one i'm about to say is not necessarily like a series but it kind of is because there's like multiple parts but i love the it movies yes (laughs) something i don't know why but something about that it i don't get scared of it as much as other things which is so weird because pennywise is freaky as heck (laughs) (laughs) i mean come on agreed i also really like the halloween series that one is really good
1: We actually, fun story, watched as many horror movies as we could like every weekend and every night we were free. One October we went through so many.
0: That's kind of how we wanted to especially since we like right then when we met and stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah yeah it was. It was a few months after we met. So we watched horror films throughout that whole month and then it was like the first weekend of November we went to Horror Nights. Mm -hmm. Um, at Universal Studios and that was so much fun so I do love you love horror movies, I would definitely recommend doing that for anyone who feels the same way. Um, I think that watching the movies that the mazes were gonna be about definitely helped me for my first time going to horror nights really appreciate them and get yes. into them and like because you have yeah,
0: like, like the references and things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I like horror movies. I don't know about you, Amanda, because I get scared. I don't always, like, scream or jump, but I get scared. Oh, I but I... Everyone
0: knows that. <laughs> but,
1: but I, I love the adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Like, addicted to it. Yeah. So, you are also a donut lover. Oh, my so... gosh, yes.
0: That's my guilty pleasure dessert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your favorite donut shop, and what is your go-to donut flavor?
0: Okay, my go-to donut flavor, I don't care where it is. It's your kind of, like, basic uh, the-, the donut with, like, chocolate or pink frosting and sprinkles. That's, like i get that pretty much anywhere i go um and then in terms of like donut shop my my favorite one is actually a local place um in my hometown which i haven't been to that much but now that i'm home i'll probably i'll probably head there in in a bit um it's called rolling pin it's it's super cute it's um it's only open for like half the day they make their donuts fresh every single morning and wow. I, my brother and I grew up going there um, with my dad. I mean, because we, since it's like right by our house, or at least at the time when they lived here, they live in a different state now, but they, growing up as kids, we would literally go there like every weekend and get oh. um, like plain cake donuts. Of course, my favorite frosting and sprinkle donut or croissants. Uh, it, it's very nostalgic. And so I'd say like, I guess, in terms of like the p- the place to get donuts, that's my that's my favorite in terms of nostalgia and memories. But I, d- I guess in terms of mainstream, I mean Krispy Kreme is pretty darn good.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So you can't go wrong with Krispy Kreme.
1: I thought of you on Donut Day when me and oh! some friends got donuts. It's funny, I
0: do not have any on the actual day, but uh, my one of my classmates brought us uh Krispy Kreme kind of like randomly but hey I wasn't questioning it (laughs) she's like oh I was like I was was back I was on my way home or something and there's Krispy Kreme on the way back so like here you go and we're like thank you
1: (laughs) that's so nice which actually like gets into my next question um I want to ask all my guests these two questions to wrap up the show when did somebody recently show you kindness and when did you show kindness to somebody else
0: Those are great questions. Um, the, the, the something that I've showed someone kindness. So one of my classmates, uh, for grad school would always invite us over to her place, and pretty much was like at least for me because she's older than me, like my mom friend, and she kind of always like took care of me and provided, uh, provided for me in terms of like her time and her care, even just like you know, um. If I ever, like, wanted a snack of hers, like, I would – she would give it to me. And so my friends and I who hung out with her all gave her, like, thank you gifts. So we gave her, like, our favorite tea. We gave her a blanket. Uh, and we gave her, like, those – I think it's called, like, You've Been Here Starbucks mugs or something. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, those yeah. things. We gave her one with uh of the state of our school. And so that was really cool that we – I mean – I was so down to do that because I, I mean, that's like the least we could do for people. Um, especially someone,
1: so and especially so- someone like her.
0: Um, and then someone showed kindness to me, honestly, like, there's not like one specific thing, but just, just the kindness and the, the the friendship and the love that my new friends have given me throughout grad school. I mean, I've, I've only known some of these people for like a month since we, since half of our summer was online on Zoom and then half was luckily in person because I know not many schools are able to do that even now. So we are very fortunate to be uh in class together and just, you know, if I was having a bad day, they were they would ask me how I'm doing or they would be there for me. Um so I guess just just the general care and love that I received from people that I actually don't know too well yet, but they still treated me as if they have known me forever. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I really appreciate because again, I mean, I mean, there's kind people everywhere, I think I I found some good ones where I went to school. So I'm very thankful for that.
1: That is awesome. Well, Amanda, it was wonderful to have you on our first episode of the Pipette Profiles podcast.
0: Yes, again thank you for having me. This was so
1: fun. Absolutely, such a pleasure. Again, you can find Amanda's um, photography social media on Instagram at Amanda underscore images. And you can go visit her website at amanda-images.com slash contact. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at The Profiles, And stay tuned for next week for episode two of Student Stories with another one of my peers. Until next time, friends, stay kind and keep learning.